This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. It sparked a uh, very deep wave of outrage in the entire Muslim community in France. First of all, because a young teenager was murdered. A young teenager was murdered on the day of Harafah, the eve of Eid al-Adha, which is the most observed uh, uh, Muslim uh, uh, religious uh, uh, celebration. Mm. And thirdly, because we all realized that if the events were not caught on camera, we, everyone basically would have listened to the official version and uh, uh, no one would have realized that actually it wasn't a case of legitimate self-defense, but it was a proper case of brutal murder. France's estimated 6 million strong Muslims are subject to daily inhuman treatment at the hands of a militant secular state. Islam as a faith has long been traduced and othered, exceptionalized as a religion that must be chastened by French enlightenment. It is in this context that we observe with horror the recent episode of brutality. 17-year-old Nahel Merzouk was killed at point-blank range for a minor traffic infraction. His death, normally another statistic, was caught on camera and led to days of protests and rioting. To help us make sense of this tragic week, I've invited back onto the thinking Muslim Rayan Freshi. Rayan is a legal expert and researcher for Cage International, and he has recently authored a disturbing report on the French government's policy of systematic obstruction of the Muslim community. He recently wrote a piece for Middle East Eye analyzing these tragic events. Rayan Freski, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, and welcome back to The Thinking Muslim. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Thank you so much for inviting me, okay? Well, it's, it's wonderful to have you with us and to have you with us in person. It's uh, really a pleasure to, uh, to, to be here with you. Now, it's been a tragic week and, um, you know, we have witnessed uh, some very disturbing scenes on social media and in, in, the, in the broader press. So, Rayan, tell me about... Uh, this brother, 17-year-old Nahel, and his death. Uh, the police initially claimed that Nahel was attempting to hit officers with a car. Can you just untangle uh, the reports from the facts of this past week? Of course. And uh, so regarding that uh, specific event, what happened is, so 
Nail Merzouk is a Arab Muslim teenager, as you mentioned. He's 17 years old. Uh, 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 a very good kid, according to uh, uh, every major reports on his background and his life. And uh, uh, he was stopped by the police. It was a very regular traffic stop, something that can happen to anyone right. uh, at any given moment of uh, uh, the day or the night. And uh, during the traffic stop, unfortunately, the police officers uh, 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 basically lost their mind very quickly. They, uh, out of anxiety and, uh, and fear, they stopped him quite brutally and quite violently. And even though he did not uh, act in any, uh, he did not act violently in any ways, he did not attend uh, to, their, uh, uh, to their lives in any ways, uh, because he basically feared the reaction of the police officers, at some point he tried to escape. Mm. So he tried to, uh, he, he did not uh, uh, turn the engine off and he tried to uh, move on despite being stopped and despite uh, uh, two officers having a uh, gun uh, pointed uh, to, his, to his head. So he yes. was very scared, of course, as a teenager. It's quite understandable that in such a very... Uh, uh, anxious situation, you don't necessarily behave uh, uh, with uh, uh, rationality. So he tried to escape. And when he tried to escape, the police officer uh, uh, shot him, as you mentioned, at uh, point blank rage and murdered him. So uh, uh, what's quite interesting and not surprising at all is the fact that at first, the uh, official version shared by the police mm -hmm. was that Nahel basically attempted to uh, 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 basically uh, 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 threaten their lives, basically. That's what they shared. Mm. What they said is that they had to intervene because it was a case of legitimate self-defense. Mm. To their disarray, the event was filmed. It was caught on camera by, uh, 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 by a, uh, uh, a young woman uh, who was there, and she obviously shared the video on social media and very clearly the video describes what I just described to you. So uh, it's, it's quite obvious that there's no, uh, 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 there's no uh, 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 attack by, by, by Nael in any ways. And uh, the moment the video was shared, it clearly proved that the police lied. That's one. Secondly, it sparked a... Very deep wave of outrage in the entire Muslim community in France. First of all, because a young teenager was murdered. A young teenager was murdered on the day of Harafa, the eve of Eid al-Adha, which is the most observed uh, uh, Muslim uh, uh, religious uh, uh, celebration. Mm. And thirdly, because we all realized that if the events were not caught on camera, we, everyone basically would have listened to the official version and uh, uh, no one would have realized that actually it wasn't a case of legitimate self-defense, but it was a proper case of brutal murder. How, so, how often does, uh, do young Muslims, young men die at the hands of a police? Well, according to some research in 2022 alone, one man of uh, uh, African descent died at the end of at the ends of the police on a monthly basis, wow. and that's just a 
it's a research. I mean, we don't necessarily have the entire set of data, so it might be even worse than that, actually. And if you look at history, if you look at the archives of uh, Muslim militants or militants with an immigrant background in France, uh, one will very clearly realize that from the 70s, and we can actually go back to the colonial era, but if we just start from the 70s onwards, uh, 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 we do not necessarily have, again, official data, but it's we've seen countless of these uh, uh, racial uh, motivated murders in, in, in France. So it's quite, uh, it's, it's, it's not unusual at all, unfortunately. What is unusual is uh, uh, to actually have the proof of the injustice, actually. That's, what's, uh, that's what in the end made the difference in that specific case. So this event sparks a, a series of protests and even rioting uh, for, you know, over this past week. Now, before we get to uh, that, those events uh, the, that came out of uh, the killing, the murder of Nahel, uh, there is a narrative that's been played out in the media that uh, Nahel had brushes, they call it, with the law, some say he may have even had, have had criminal uh, activities that were investigated. Uh, he didn't have a whiter than white background. Can you shed some light yeah. on the past of this teenager? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first thing that needs to be mentioned is that whatever his background actually is, mm. that does not justify delinquency in any, whatever the degree, mm. does not justify the death at the ends of the police. That's yes. one. Yeah. So the very fact that power structures like the state, like medias, try to share these kind of rumors prove that in their mind, which is quite shocking, if one indulged into some criminal acts in the past, well, maybe his murder is not that bad. It's mm. not that much of an injustice. Yeah. So... Uh, belittling the gravity of a murder because of one's past is a clear proof, I would say, of uh, uh, racism, Islamophobia, whatever the case is, very clearly a form of dehumanization. That's one. Secondly, what's even worse in that case scenario is that actually Brother Nahel, he was, he didn't have any criminal record at all. Mm. And it's a very it's factual. It's not something right. that can be discussed. Yeah. He had no criminal record whatsoever. Yeah, he was stopped at times by the police. Very regular traffic stops. Yeah. They're not a, a, a criminal transgression whatsoever. Uh, so, again, these two elements, the fact that they tried to share some dehumanizing rumors, some dehumanizing narratives, plus the fact it's actually, it was all a lie, yeah. uh, 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 fueled the anger and the determination which in the end led to the riots and the uprisings. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting. I, mean, I was saying to you earlier on uh, when we were uh, traveling to, to our studio today that uh, even I believed that maybe Reverend Nahel had, obviously that's not a justification, but had a, a dubious past and, and maybe the police recognized him and, and so they made some sort of connection. Your argument is that actually zero. I mean, Nahel was a... a a standard, you know, a normal uh, kid, a 17-year-old who uh, who happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, how how um, 
common is it for young men of African descent, of Algerian or Moroccan descent, uh, or Tunisian descent? How how regular is it for them to be stopped by the police in 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 these suburbs? It's extremely common, as it must be reminded that the Muslim neighborhoods, the banlieues, the yeah. Muslim suburbs in France, are. Uh, I'll go into the history of, of these specific suburbs. Basically, they are specifically targeted by the police. So mm. it would be incorrect to define the police function in Muslim neighborhoods as exclusively peacekeeping. Right. Or, uh, there's more to it. There's mm. more. There's a political nature to their uh, function and intervention in these Muslim neighborhoods. Yes. Uh, it must be reminded that these suburbs are actually the result of specific urban uh, uh, policies by the state and urban policies that were implemented right after the uh, uh, colonization and right after the colonial rule, okay. when most of uh, uh, um, ex-French colonies achieved independence, there was a wave of Muslim immigrants who went from the colonies and reached, uh, uh, and reached France, basically. Mm -hmm. And... As a result of that immigration, the French state implemented some very harsh uh, urban policies, which in the end resulted in a form of segregation. Mm -hmm. So as a Muslim immigrant, you were in the end forced to live in some specific areas outside of Paris, basically outside of the most uh, uh, populous uh, French cities, but basically Paris at first. And... These policies were based on the idea that that population uh, 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 needed to be physically contained from a territorial standpoint to make sure that they did not reach uh, whiter areas, basically, and to make sure that they were then specifically targeted by the police. The idea was to create an atmosphere which... Uh, uh, fostered criminalization, basically, criminal activities. How do, you, how do you achieve this? Well, you make sure that, first of all, it's difficult physically to reach Paris, that one. Secondly, you make sure that uh, most of the state institutions do not operate correctly. So the schools, the quality of the schools are obviously not the same uh, as the schools in whiter areas. The very school system in the Muslim suburbs uh, uh, is designed for our community to fail from an educational standpoint. Uh, so you fail from an educational standpoint. You do not necessarily have access to jobs. Uh, from an economical standpoint, we were and we are still quite poor in there. So no education, no uh, economic solutions, no uh, no proper jobs uh, 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 available for an entire community. Yeah. Of course, at some point, you still have to find some ways to uh, uh, maintain yourself. And very clearly, we were directed towards a, a, a criminal path. Mm -hmm. I'm not here trying to undermine the uh, personal responsibility of any human being who engages into criminal activities. But the idea is that environment matters. And the environment that was uh, established by the French state was an environment which, uh, as I mentioned, uh, very clearly facilitated uh, criminality. Mm. So that's the kind of, uh, that's the kind of environment uh, we are still 
uh, living in in France. These very policies were implemented in the 60s and the 70s, mm. and they are still operating nowadays. Uh, uh, even though, I mean, the governance is still the same, even though politicians change, mm. uh, generation changes, but these systemic issues are not addressed at all. Yeah, so there's there's a lot written recently about the so-called pressure cooker that was released in this last week, culminating in the most recent protests and riots. Uh, how much do you accept that the violence of this past week represents something more than the death, however tragic, of one teenager? True, true, true. Uh, I believe, I very strongly believe that there are a series of factors that led to uh, to that expression of political dissent, yeah. which was expressed through violence. Uh, obviously, the death of a young brother uh, on the day of Arafah is is obviously a very strong factor. But but the stuff that I mentioned priorly, so the different policies implemented in our suburbs. The lack of solutions, the fact that our grievances cannot be expressed, because in the end it's always about us. It's always the responsibility of, we were talking about uh, criminality, uh, uh, responsibility constantly yeah. is, uh, it's, is constantly placed uh, upon our shoulders and at no point does anyone try to address the environment we actually live in and the way the environment was established. Uh, the fact that we cannot, as I mentioned, express our grievances. The fact that in France, there is a clear intoxicating atmosphere of Islamophobia and racism. Uh, must be reminded here that these two uh, feelings, these two resentments are uh, basically adopted by our, by the entire political specter in, in, in France. Even the far left, in a way or another, indulges into uh, Islamophobia, Islamophobic governance, Islamophobic uh, narratives. Yeah. That creates a, a, a an atmosphere of extreme frustration and anger. So basically, they criticize our way of living on a daily basis. They do not recognize their responsibility in the uh, brutal murders that affect our community. Mm. They do not recognize any responsibility in the systemic injustices they've established because of their bigotry. Uh, and these issues are, have been part of the picture, of the French picture, for decades now. Well, at some point, of course, if you don't have any ways, any peaceful ways to express your dissent, your grievances, well, you're still going to express them. Mm. It's just that you're going to use violence because that's the only route available. That's the only tool uh, that is left, uh, 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 available tool that is left to us. Are you, are you I, and we must make it clear because I can imagine after today's interview, I'm going to get reams of comments uh, left by French people and others to say that your guest is justifying the uh, rioting, uh, the destruction of private property. Uh, you said in a recent article, in your recent piece in the Middle East Eye, that this was the natural, the logical consequence of years of marginalization. Are you justifying um, criminality here? I'm not justifying criminality. I'm trying to explain it. I'm trying mm. to understand the causes, the causal pathway that led to violence. Yeah. Violence occurred. Yeah. And 
There are actually, there are two uh, trends in here. Mm. We either believe that Muslims, because they are Muslims, they are inherently barbaric. And the only thing they know is violence. And they are constantly going to use that specific tool because they are Muslims and that's the end of it. Mm. Or we can try not to be a Slavophobic, racist, <laughs> bigot and try to understand things uh, without a dehumanizing frame and trying to understand things yeah. uh, uh, without necessarily justifying them, but just understanding them. Mm -hmm. uh, from a purely human perspective, there's a, uh, a Sufi Sheer uh, from Morocco uh, who used to say that uh, one must make the difference between the spiritual and the human. Certain things are just going to happen because it's a human thing. Mm -hmm. If you do not allow a community, if you don't let them express their ideas, if you don't let them express their legitimate grievances, legitimate grievances, if you, on the other hand, constantly curtail their fundamental rights, if you constantly dehumanize them, if you constantly criminalize their way of life, a way of life which is Islam, which has been around in the last 14 centuries, mm -hmm. well, at some point, for sure, it's going to fuel anger. And anger as a feeling, as a human feeling, leads to violence. That's mm. not specific to Muslims, mm. it's, it's human. Yeah, that, that's very, uh, very interesting, Baron. And I can see a paradox here because, of course, the French argue that they believe fundamentally in equality and they believe in treating everyone the same. Uh, and ultimately, what they require from migrants, from Muslims, from others, is to uh, assimilate into French society. But of course, this policy of uh, ghettoizing, if that's the right term to use, ghettoizing them into the, the banlieue, into the suburbs, um, Nanterre, which is, a, which is the place where Nahel came from, the municipality where Nahel came from, was part of this sprawling suburb. Uh, if you marginalize people, then surely you're not going to get the desired effect of assimilation. H how do... French politicians reconcile what seems to be pretty irre irreconcilable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is indeed. And I think that what must be uh, uh, unveiled in here is that even though the official narratives, uh, official narrative is the assimilation one, the idea that because you live in France, at some point you need to uh, adopt French values wherever they are, mm. uh, uh, can be basically what we can identify here is basically uh, engage in a more liberal way of life, maybe something that is more uh, influenced by modernism uh, 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 and secularization as well, that kind of stuff. But uh, it's very clear that it's still, that the French identity is still ethnocentric. Right. So you might leave, in other words, the fold of Islam mm -hmm. or uh, totally cut yourself from your spiritual heritage as a North African, as a Muslim or someone with some Muslim background, mm. you cannot change your ethnicity. Mm. <laughs> we haven't invented a, a pathway which could uh, reform that. So yes. uh, 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 even though you might totally cut yourself from your spiritual lineage and adopt another deen, you will still remain ethnically different. And because of that difference, which is a natural one, which is a physical one, you will never be part of uh, uh, the victorious group of the uh, of the French, basically. Yeah. So there's a indeed, it's a paradox, but it's I believe it's a 
it's a construction uh, which is meant to attract us and uh, uh, make sure that we could leave the fold of Islam, or at the very least, leave the more political aspects of our deen, which could in the end result in some uh, uh, political change, of course, in, in, in France. Right. Um, now, of course, there is a bigger problem here, and you intimate that in, in some of your answers, the systematic marginalization of the Muslim community in France. Now, you've said previously on a program I, I recorded with you that there is a policy of systematic obstruction in France. Can you explain this policy to us? Of course. It's an official policy that uh, was implemented uh, by Macron in uh, February 2018. It's still operating as we speak. Mm. And the overarching spirit of that policy is basically to use any piece of legislation, any relevant piece of legislation, which could systematically obstruct the uh, uh, expressions of Muslimness, but also the, I would, I would say, the political growth of the Muslim community. Mm. So that concretely materializes in, for example, the constant harassment by the state of Muslim businesses, right. Muslim schools, Muslim uh, 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 mosques, of course, Muslim organizations. And by harassment, I mean either the uh, 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 closure of these institutions, of these Muslim-led establishments, or the, at the very least, control, investigation of these, uh, of these establishments. Mm. Uh, since February 2018, uh, we're basically talking about 28,000 Muslim establishments being uh, controlled, investigated by the state. Wow. We're talking about more than 900 of those establishments being closed down. So as I mentioned, businesses, mosques, Islamic schools, uh, Muslim organizations. Uh, we're also talking about more than, I think it's, some, it's around 55 million euros seized by the state uh, 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 from the Muslim community, of course. So uh, it, one of the most uh, spectacular cases were the uh, dissolutions of by the government, huh? mm. dissolutions by the government mm. of a very famous Muslim human rights group, the CCIF. Mm. Um, so one could argue, well, okay, well, the CCIF, it's a human rights group, it's led by Muslims, so there might be some political nature which in the end resulted into the dissolution. Well, actually, they also dissolved a humanitarian NGO, a Muslim humanitarian NGO, Baraka City. They also closed down a Muslim publishing house. The Land of Literature closed down an organization, a publishing house, whose job was to publish very classical Islamic books of uh, the Islamic corpus. But was this publishing house, I don't know, publishing Said Qutb books? Or not even that, not maybe. even that. Very uh, uh, basic books on Akida by, uh, for example, uh, Ibn Taymiyyah. Uh, uh, they were publishing books on spirituality, on uh, the idea of Ghuraba being strangers from a spiritual standpoint. Mm. Uh, there were some uh, uh, political books as well, but nothing that very clearly incited to, I don't know, violence, uh, daily violence or anything of that nature. So, so let me get this straight, because I think what you're 
suggesting here is pretty profound. So the French state has a, a policy, systematic obstruction that goes after uh, Muslim, Muslim civic life. It, it uh, finds any means, any law. So it could be number of laws they could utilize to close down masajid, to close down businesses, to close down organizations, uh, to uh, to to uh, to take money from uh, to, from or, or, or freeze money in bank accounts. I think you said fifty five million uh, yeah. has been frozen of Muslim uh, Muslim money. Nine hundred organizations have been shut down. Yeah. Um, but you know what? What's where's the law here? Where does the law apply? Uh, you know, surely there is a you know French. The French system of France, it believes in the rule of law. How does how do they reconcile this with uh, with with French legal precepts? I would explain this by uh, basically describing a feature of the law in and of itself, and then of the French legislation. First mm -hmm. of all, uh, too often we describe legislation in the West as being a neutral tool even though it's quite paradox because uh, uh, the first function of the parliament, which is a political institution, is to legislate, yeah. is to actually adopt and enact some laws. So the law is never neutral. It's the result of a political will. That's one. So it's not neutral. And even though, as you mentioned, uh, there are some uh, basic pillars and basic tenets to the rule of law, even in France, it must be understood that the law in and of itself can still be discriminatory. It can right. still be used to target some specific groups yeah. because we believe that these groups need to be uh, 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 targeted or addressed specifically. And that's what's happening in France. Mm -hmm. For example, if we put on the side the systematic obstruction uh, for a second, in France, the Islamophobic governance was able to enact a law in 2004, sorry, which bans hijab from public schools. Mm. There also is a law enacted in 2010 which totally bans niqab. It's totally prohibited in France yeah. to wear niqab. It's one of the few places in the world where uh, such a prohibition actually exists. Mm. Uh, the reason why I'm mentioning these laws is because very clearly they target one specific community. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't address a, uh, a, a, a common practice. It's something that only Muslims do because we are Muslim, because of our faith and so on and so forth. Yeah. So the French legislation is very clearly discriminatory and that's why I'm, I'm mentioning I'm talking about Islamophobic governance. I believe that in France, uh, Muslims are governed in a specific way, meaning that there are a specific set of policies, the systematic obstruction, a, uh, a specific set of legislation, of laws, which are exclusively applied to us. They're designed they for Muslims. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, again, that's, that's chilling, really. Um, Let's go back to that, the legislation that banned the hijab in 2005, did you 2004. say? 2004. 2004 and the banning of niqab. Um, how did they, like intellectually, how did they justify this? Because a lot of our viewers would say, well, surely these societies believe in equality. They believe in religious tolerance. They believe in freedom. 
how do you justify the banning of a a, a religious uh, a religious practice, which doesn't sound doesn't look particularly uh, problematic? It's you know peaceful. Uh, peaceful. It's it seems pretty inert. I mean, how how do they justify this according to their, their own liberal thinking? Yeah, it's justified by the way the French regard secularism uh -huh. so in this the is uh, exactly yeah. exactly so the, even the word is not the same yeah uh, the concept is slightly different right uh, uh it basically it's based on the idea that religion and uh, religious beliefs should not influence the social sphere at large mm. of course they should not according to them influence governance and it's a result of a, a centuries-long struggle between republicans and monarchists in the 19th century monarchists being catholics who believed that religion should have a say in uh, 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 in the way uh, our, uh, politics were, were were run and republicans actually believe in a very uh, strong and harsh form of uh, secularism basically the idea that uh, uh, no amount of uh, religious feelings should influence not only governance but also the social fear, sphere as, according to them, if religion starts to influence the social sphere, then at some point it's going to influence politics and governance. By social sphere, you mean? Public square. Uh, 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 schools and schools, universities. Uh, universities, right. uh, whatever. Whatever. So, so in, in a school or a university, for example, you wouldn't have prayer facilities for for Muslims. It's very hard to find such a thing in in, in France. Yeah, uh, 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 it's extremely hard to find such a, to, to find some 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 of these spaces. Yeah, uh, 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 most of the time they do not exist. That does not mean that there's a legislation which bans like prayer in universities. Mm. It's just that. Uh, 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 authorities in their uh, academic authorities are not going to regard this with uh, uh, with the right eye. They're not going to allow uh, 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 Muslims to, I don't know, rent, not even rent a, play, uh, a room, but just have a specific room where mm -hmm. they can pray. They won't allow that kind of stuff. And the reason why they don't do this is because of uh, uh, a secular culture based on laicity, basically, and it's also, I believe, the result of a wider securitization process and criminalization of our community and our beliefs as a result of the war on terror. Of course, the war on terror influenced the French culture and the French governance as well. But there's, there's even more. The, 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 the war on terror uh, found a very fertile ground uh, in France as uh, uh, it must be reminded that France engaged in a very uh, brutal war against Algerians in the in the sixties, and we, obviously they were Muslims. They were struggling for their independence. So, political violence uh, uh, and political violence uh, uh, enacted by Muslims has always been part of the French uh, picture, and I would say of the French psyche. So, uh, in the French psyche, Muslims, especially when they're expressing their faith especially when they're expressing uh, basic forms of, of Muslimness or just expressing political ideas, political grievances, it's instantaneously regarded as something that could lead to a deep conflict. 
like the conflict which occurred in the 60s. So that's, I I think, one of the psychological reasons why uh, uh, there is uh, a lot of anticipatory anxiety and deep fear over any expression of Muslimness in France. I want to understand a very uh, recent piece of legislation. I think in 2021, uh, the government passed into law the anti-separatism law, which um, became an issue around the world. And I think it's the first time that Muslims and non-Muslims around the world began to sort of see how overt this marginalization of, of Muslims and Islam was in, in France. And it's a chilling piece of legislation that gives unprecedented powers to the state to disrupt Muslim civic life. Now, I suppose, why did they need an additional piece of legislation where they already had, since 2018, the government, the executive policy of systematic obstruction? And uh, and, and if you can give us just the highlights of what the anti-separatism bill aims to achieve, please. The uh, overarching spirit of that legislation is to facilitate even more the systematic obstruction policy. The idea is that... To make it easier. Exactly. To make sure that it can achieve even, uh, 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 I was about to say, better or worse results, actually. That's the overarching spirit. And that's not just my personal analysis. It's, uh, uh, I'm, I'm here quoting some official documents drafted by the very government, which explained that the uh, uh, official uh, 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 goal of the anti-separatism law was to enhance the uh, uh, systematic obstruction policy. Mm. As you mentioned, it's a it's a it's a it's it's a it's it's a bill which contains I think 103 different reforms, so it's quite large. And the reason why it was adopted, it was adopted in two, in 2021, so a year after the presidential election of uh, in 2022, and uh, most of the French Islamophobic uh, uh, laws are adopted in order to uh, uh, recruit, in order to attract part of the far-right electorate. Right. Uh, in the last 20 years, there's been a, a massive uh, uh, push of far-right uh, policies and of far-right parties. Uh, we went from a party which basically, I'm talking about the far-right, yeah. which basically attracted something around 10-15% of the electorate mm. to a, not even one party, but a series of uh, far-right parties, which in the end have become nowadays uh, 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 majoritarian. Mm. So in order for any uh, centrist party, in order for any leftist party, in order for it to uh, uh, basically win elections and make sure that they keep some kind of uh, 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 advantage uh, 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 they need to adopt part of the far-right narratives and hence part of the far-right policies or suggested uh, 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 pieces of legislation. Uh, that's the, uh, the the political picture uh, uh, is the main reason why uh, with the, of course, culture, the, the philosophy behind it that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, one of the key reasons why these pieces of legislation are adopted in France. In the last 20 years, each and every presidential term uh, witnessed its own Islamophobic piece of legislation. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, it's 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 a trend actually in France. It's not unusual at all. We know that every four or five years something is going to be adopted, and I mean a, a piece of legislation which is going to specifically target uh, Muslims and forms of Muslimness. So um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I, I read the draft bill, and it, it suggested that uh, a a passport of some sort would be would be put together, uh, would be assigned to every child so that a child could not uh, be removed from the state education system. Um, and uh, it becomes impossible or very difficult now to, to teach your children at home. Uh, you have to send them to a state school. Is, was, did that provision remain in the final piece of legislation? Yeah, it's still there. Yeah. And the, the one of the key ideas was to... As I mentioned, it's 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 part of the assimilation process. It's part of the idea that at some point Muslims, uh, if we want to pacify them, we must make sure that their religiosity weakens. Then we need to make sure that they do not uh, send their children in Islamophobic uh, Islamic schools. <laughs> <laughs> But they would, of course, force yeah. them into Islamophobic, the yes. Islamophobic secular system, basically, yeah. educational yeah. system. So you can't homeschool children. It's impossible. At the very least, you can't do that invoking a uh, religious, political, or philosophical reason. That mm -hmm. was the case prior to that. Nowadays, it's not officially banned, but basically what they did is that they restrained it so much that it's impossible for us to engage in that specific educational path. What they say is that, oh, you can... Uh, uh, homeschool your child if, for example, he is uh, severely handicapped mm -hmm. or if he has, if he engages in a, a sports career or in an artistic uh, endeavor, a specific endeavor. Mm -hmm. If you don't fall into these three very restrictive uh, 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 categories, basically, you cannot homeschool your child. So you previously talked about this policy of, of forcible assimilation and we've discussed the paradox of ghettoizing Muslims and how that, you know, creates more antagonism. And, and that's what partly led to uh, these uh, riots and protests in, in this past week. Um, so let me try to understand what is the ideal situation for the French state? What does the French state want to achieve uh, ideally in the Muslim community? Like what concessions do they want to solicit from Muslims? That's very interesting an intriguing uh, question. I would say that according to them, uh, in reality, despite the official discourse and the official narrative, it would be uh, an established uh, uh, ghettoization, as it is the case right now, mm. uh, something that would remain in place, and a population, a Muslim population, which do not express any kind of political grievance or political idea, uh, especially when these ideas or these grievances find their root in the Islamic faith. Yeah. Uh, it's basically the ideal situation is a totally dehumanizing uh, uh, view. It's the idea that we should accept unfair policies. We should accept being invisible, basically, because that's in the end the only way they can properly accept our presence, which is very, <laughs> which is in and of itself a paradox. Our presence must be invisible. That's the, that's the only way they can accept that uh, because 
the roots cause, I think, of this worldview in the end is the idea that as Muslims, as non-whites, we are not equal to them. Uh, and especially, uh, I'm, I'm here mentioning the uh, religious criteria, because especially in France, even though, as I mentioned, it's a, it's an ethnocentric view and it's based on an ethnicity, yeah. it's also based on the idea that at some point, if you are properly human and intelligent enough, you should recognize that the French way of life, universalism, enlightenment, the ideas that were uh, 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 spread by enlightenment are the best for mankind. And hence, you should at some point either leave the uh, worldview of your forefathers, especially if that worldview is spiritual. And uh, at the very least, if you don't want to totally cut ties with that heritage, you should reform it uh, uh, based on the enlightenment model. So it's either... It's a, it's, it, it's, it's a form of supremacy. I believe that uh, white supremacy in France has a specific feature, and that's, uh, we can call that, I guess, uh, it's, it's a, an expression that is, is, is quite uh, new, so I know you won't find that anywhere else, that it's still, that might be some gaps, but uh, it's, I would call that Republican supremacy. Mm -hmm. Republic is obviously the, the form of right. governance in yeah. France, yeah. and the idea that, the Republic as a form of governance and with a set of values and ideas which are not necessarily quite clear, in the end are still superior, uh, inherently superior to anything else and more specifically superior to Islam. Macron suggests that Islam is a religion in crisis. Um, and do you believe that the government is trying to create intense fear within the Muslim community so that Muslims either have these choices either very assimilate or they remain subdued in their uh, suburbs. Like, is this, in effect, the intent of the French government? Yeah, I believe that, uh, uh, and that's not just my understanding, it's, uh, it's something that was expressed by the Ministry of the Interior, Gérald right. Damana, yeah. uh, a few years ago when he said, we are spreading terror. He was talking about a systematic obstruction policy wow. and the, implementa the implementation of he the... He called it terror. Terror. He wow. used that specific term. He said, yeah. we are beginning to spread terror <laughs> in the, uh, basically in the Muslim community. So uh, I think there are a lot of similarities with the uh, American context. Uh, it's not a, obviously, it's not the same, but there are some similarities and uh, I'm very influenced by the writings of a uh, Black Panther thinker, Dhoruba bin Wahab, where, where and he mentions in one of his articles, he says, uh, white America is terrified by the idea of black-white equality because that would mean that blacks could defend themselves uh, from a physical standpoint and at some point basically achieve political growth and political power. Mm -hmm. I believe there's a lot of similarities with the French context. Indeed, the French are, I, I strongly believe it's part of their psyche. It might sound essentializing, but <laughs> I, I believe that their psyche is very much influenced by the colonization and the brutal uh, wars of, uh, of, of independence, basically. 
and uh, they lost those wars. And now the grandchildren of those who were illiterate with not a lot of military or physical means yet still won the war against them, their grandchildren live in France. We are maybe something around eight or 10 million Muslims in France. We don't know uh, with precision because uh, 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 ethnic uh, and religious uh, stats are banned in France. You can't actually collect and okay, gather I, that I data. I need to understand. <laughs> I need to understand. So you're not allowed, the government is not allowed to collect yeah. statistics. So we have yes. a census here every 10 years. And you know, since 2001 in the UK, we've had a religious box that you take, you know, which religion you belong to. Are you saying that's illegal? That's banned yeah, in France? Yeah, that's illegal. But, but why? France. I mean, that makes very little sense. Uh, it's illegal because you're mentioning equality, and according to them, as everyone is equal, there's no reason why <laughs> we should collect that kind of data. Right. And which is obviously a fallacy. And it's also based on the idea that the French, in order to pursue the uh, assimilation process, they refuse to recognize the official existence of minorities on French soil. Even in the public discourse, the word minority is not used a lot, not as much as in the UK context or the, the American context, because it's not recognized by the French state. Even from a constitutional standpoint, well, they, they will argue that as France <laughs> recognizes the principle of equality and uh, uh, opposes discrimination, there's no point in recognizing minorities. There wow. are no minorities because we're all equal. <laughs> so it's and a... do the French really believe that? <laughs> like when they see events like this, 2005, 2023, you see uh, enormous outpouring of emotion at the death of yet another teenager at the hands of a racialized police force. Don't the French step back and say, well, maybe we've got it wrong. Maybe we do have a, a society which is deeply unequal and maybe we need to find other ways to deal with uh, this uh, very perturbing situation. Does, doesn't that discussion take place in France? Uh, not at all, wow. even though it's obviously part of the of their psyche. They obviously know that this inequality exists and that what they're doing is, is, is totally unfair, of course. But I think it's connected to the fear factor that I mentioned earlier. Mm. The idea that if we start recognizing their existence, if we do not apply extremely brutal and harsh uh, 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 Islamophobic dehumanizing policies, well, that means that at some point their expression is going to become political. And if the expression is political, it might lead to political growth, uh, uh, the, the political growth of the Muslim community. Wow. And in their mind, that growth equals with defeat, with military conflict, which in the end leads to defeat and decline. Mm. And nowadays, very clearly, it sounds very uh, uh, psychological, but I, but I believe it's the I believe psychology is the underlying science of political science. Uh, it's 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 always in there, and the best political scientists, uh, the best scholars, they always have a very deep and precise mastery of psychology and social psychology. It would require another podcast, I guess, but mm. basically, uh, uh, very clearly, there is a, 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 a common sense in France 
that the country is not as powerful as it were in the past. Right. France is not the third superpower and then the rest of the world, but we're just so powerful that in the end, we can enact any policy, we can choose any kind of foreign policy, it's not going to change much. We're totally independent. Right. Well, we are living in a different context right now. Uh, we are seeing the rise of a multipolar world. We're mm -hmm. seeing countries uh, which in the in the past were struck, extremely structurally uh, dependent over the West. Mm -hmm. We're seeing countries which are slowly moving towards uh, uh, concrete forms of independence. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, I think that for them, realizing that there's some competition uh, coming from countries which were totally subdued to them in the past, uh, realizing that some of these countries are Muslim, realizing that their economic power is not as clear and established as it was in the past, realizing that internally speaking, they are facing economical crisis after another and they don't necessarily find solutions structural solutions to them, it clearly inspires a sense of decline. Mm. Except that on top of that, according to them, you have between 8 and 10 million Muslims in the country. And despite the overwhelming Islamophobia and policies, they still find ways to express themselves. So that means there's still some, uh, there's a willingness to power. There's a willingness to still overcome their injustice. And that feeling is something that must be very scary for them because uh, if a slave accepts to be a slave, that's fine. You don't have to do anything, you're good. But if the slave starts to realize that actually he shouldn't be a slave, uh, there's no reason why he should be. And it's actually more interesting to be a master then you might have a problem. And I think that this is the in a very, uh, I realize that even my wording is quite, uh, can be quite uh, uh, generic and, and prosaic, but, 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 I, but I still feel that it, it, it basically uh, 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 describes the overall psychological tendency in France at the moment. And how much does this collective psychology play into the rise of the far right in France? And should Muslims be more perturbed by Marine Le Pen and National Front than, say, Macron? I think that's the most important factor, the most important reason why the far right is, uh, 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 is, 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 is basically gathering so much support. That's one. Uh, secondly, of course, for sure, uh, a governance led by Le Pen might be slightly harsher for us than Macron, mm. but it, it What's essential here is that the question in and of itself, I believe, is, uh, is not the right one. Because asking this question leads us to make a choice and implies that there's a clear difference between a Macron, a centrist kind of governance, and a governance led by the far right. Mm -hmm. And implying this undermines the idea and the uh, clear trend that we've witnessed in the last 20 years that far-right ideas and policies following the, uh, uh, following the Overton window and the Overton process became mainstream mm -hmm. and are now 
a clear part of Macron's party uh, discourse, narratives, and policies. So uh, uh, 25 years uh, earlier, no, even a right-wing party would have never thought about establishing the systematic obstruction policy or adopting the anti-separatism law. Mm. That policy and that legislation was not adopted by Le Pen. It was implemented and adopted by Macron. Uh -huh. So that's to me, uh, the question is still relevant, but I believe that the main thing in here is to understand that the far right ideas, narratives, overall discourse is spreading. And that's the issue, not the uh, eventual difference, which exists, of course, between Macron and Le Pen. Because even Macron does not act like Le Pen today, he's going to act like Le Pen in five years. And is that spreading beyond? Uh, Macron is is a centrist. He's a neoliberal. Um, you know, he is seen by many in the world as being a moderate force. You know, in in uh, in, in French politics, and I think you've dispelled that myth today. But what about the the left, the socialists, the Labour contingent? Uh, is it John Luc Mélenchon? Uh, sorry if I pronounced that wrong. You know, who who uh, are there are there sympathetic voices? in the left in France. There's a, uh, there's a, there's a beautiful expression uh, uh, coined by, uh, by a, a friend of mine. He says, Mélenchon is a pro-Muslim Islamophobe. <laughs> a pro-Muslim Islamophobe. <laughs> he's, he's basically looking for our votes, ah. but it's still an Islamophobe, meaning that uh, uh, he supports most of the Islamophobic governments that I mentioned, the ban on hijab in 2004, the ban on niqab, he regards, from a philosophical standpoint, uh, religion as being backwards, as being uh, a barbaric way of life, which in the end, at some point, must be abandoned. Mm. So uh, he needs our votes, but, at the, but he still remains on his uh, Imagine that uh, in 2010, when the uh, niqab law was enacted, yeah. a, so prior to... Uh, any law being adopted, a commission, a parliamentary commission is, is set up mm -hmm. and they discuss about the issue, quote-unquote issue, and then they uh, write away a report which is used as the, let's say, model for the future law. That commission was headed, I'm talking about the commission of the anti-Nikab law, yeah. was uh, headed by a communist. Communist. <laughs> a communist well, in France. Yes. So uh, the left and the far left have a... Uh, uh, strong history, even if back to the colonial era, they always, in a way or another, maybe not in a in an overt way, but very passively or uh, implicitly supported uh, 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 Islamophobic governance, and uh, 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 that's why uh, that's why we we can't expect anything from from them. Uh, just to give you, for example, a, 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 a little secret of uh, anti-police brutality advocacy, most of these groups have been, I'm talking about grassroots uh, militants, have been in a way or another co-opted by the left and the far left. And in order to be co-opted, in order to be supported by uh, these parties, they had to abandon the anti-Islamophobia struggle. What they need to mention when they're talking about uh, police brutality is that yeah, it's a racial issue, yeah, but there's nothing Islamophobic about that, even though 
most of the uh, victims of police brutality are Muslims. Whatever the level of, of their religiosity is, they are Muslims. And secondly, we're living the war on terror. The main suspect nowadays is not identified through a ethnic or racial lens. Mm. It's always there, but the main criteria is Islam. Nael is Muslim, was Muslim, whatever the, levels, the level of religiosity. Uh, two weeks prior to his death, uh, another Muslim a teenager was killed, was murdered by the police, again, during a traffic stop. He was black, Al-Hussein, he was Muslim. So uh, uh, the main criteria in here remains the deen. That's, we could go into a, a more philosophical discussion and denying this would denying the fact that the deen is the uh, criteria which structures the political discourse and the overall political conflict would actually mean that the opposition between truth and falsehood is not relevant, which is absurd. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so the criteria is this one, but going back to, uh, to the left and the far left, mm. they co-opted some of our struggles and the cost was to constantly uh, 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 remove the anti-Islamophobia the anti advocacy. Uh, let's return back to the motivations of the police. I've noticed there's a debate about whether there are parallels that can be drawn between policing in the United States and policing in France. And there are voices that suggest that you may have some uh, rogue actors, some bad apples in the police force, but there's not a systematic racial profiling or Islamophobia that exists within within the police. From your perspective, is uh, Islamophobia and racism systemic within uh, the police force? Yeah, it is. It is. And there are a series of reasons why I believe the issues that we are trying to address are systemic. Uh, first of all, it must be, we were talking about that earlier. Hmm. What is the actual function of, let's say, the police? Hmm. We could actually... Uh, uh, apply the same reasoning to any French institution, but let's just focus on the police. Yeah. What is the police doing in Muslim suburbs? Is it just about making sure that peace and public order are being protected? Or is it something more? If one looks at history, for example, police during the colonial era, its function was to subdue Muslim indigenous population to the Republic's rule. It's not just about peacekeeping. It's about making sure that from a political standpoint, an entire population totally submits to our rule and do not try to seek independence, autonomy. Now, police nowadays inherited that same function just in another context. We were talking about ghettoization. So if we want to make sure that this population remains invisible, does not grow, politically speaking, well, you're sending the police, and on top of that, you fear, psychologically, you fear their growth. You're sending the arm, the violent arm of the state in those places to make sure that they remain invisible, that they will remain in these suburbs, that they will uh, uh, be directed towards the criminal system, that they, the justice system basically, mm. and that 
you can properly obstruct their political growth. That's the function. It's not written in any official document, but that doesn't mean it's not there. That's the way they act. Police brutality does not happen in white areas. Why is that? It happens in, it occurs in Muslim suburbs. And there's a political reason why. It's not just about some, of course, some police officers might be terrified of uh, addressing Muslims because of the overall Islamophobic atmosphere that we described earlier. But the idea, and they know that very, even if, it's, even if they can't express it, it's part of their psyche as well. They must make sure that this Muslim population, which in the end is a threat to our rule, must be subdued. And that's why they act in a very violent way. And if one doesn't believe me, because I'm a bearded, crazy guy uh, of Algerian descent who has a problem with the French. From Cage. Well, from Cage on top of that, which yes. don't listen to me. Uh, but there's a, uh, an official data, uh, which no one can deny, uh, uh, which proved that more than 50% of police officers in France support far-right parties. Mm. More than 50%. Mm. So uh, this is why there's no reforming such an institution. You don't First of all, the official function that I mentioned is clearly Islamophobic and racist. That's one. And that's the most uh, uh, problematic issue we're tackling. Now, on top of that, you have, you, you're addressing police officers that are clearly Islamophobic and racist. How do you solve that? Are you going to show them a, a video uh, or a movie telling them that, no, actually, Islam is, 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 is goodness and Muslims are... are are good people because they respect the rights of their neighbor and then poof, Islamophobia and racism are just going to disappear. I think it's quite delusional. So the only solution is, uh, 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 is the total abolition of such an institution, which in the end has been established and operates with the intent of curtailing our fundamental rights, stealing our lives, or at the very least, uh, 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 yeah, stealing our lives, basically, and for sure, obstructing our political growth. Rian, some of my viewers may be watching and listening to your comments with horror, but they may argue that, well, maybe the reason why Muslims are so marginalized is that they haven't uh, joined the political process. They haven't achieved political success. They haven't voted in, as a block for particular candidates so that they can create a critical mass maybe in a parliament. So then they have to be listened to. I mean, it's a superficial analogy and, and there are lots of um, uh, poor things we can say about, very destructive uh, things we can say about someone like Sadiq Khan in, in London True. and the types of activities he gets involved in and how that uh, misrepresents what Islam is about. True. But... At the very least, you know, he is characterized as a practicing Muslim. He fasts in Ramadan. You know, he, he uh, prays his salah. He goes to Salat al-Jummah. And so from, from one perspective, Muslims have some level of safety there where they've got a, a politician who's willing to, at the very least, fight their corner. Okay, one can query where has he actually done that. But at least symbolically, he's, True. he's there. True. Um, how would you respond to that? That, you know, you're... Your basic problem in France, or the problem of the Muslim community, is that they're too apolitical and they're not involved in, 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 in the political process. I would say that the reason why we were not able to achieve such a success 
is also because of the very harsh environment we live in. Mm. Uh, so I would not say that we are necessarily all quietists or apolitical. I think that we were not able uh, up until now to properly organize, uh, uh, politically speaking, in order to project some influence. That's for sure. Yeah. And uh, I guess it would require yet another podcast mm. on, because there are a series of factors. Obviously, there's we have some responsibility, that's for sure. But it's just uh, some of our, let's say, political failures are also quite uh, were predictable because any community goes through a specific process and a... Uh, a maturation process, basically. Mm. So you mm. do some things, you try some things, and they fail, but you learn from that. Yeah. Uh, uh, for sure, we were not able to project that influence. We also live in a very tough, as I mentioned, environment mm. where our political expression is uh, is 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 constantly asphyxiated. So so it's very hard for us to find avenues of uh, for 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 expression, basically. Are there but, any Muslims? Who have made it to, you know, the, the political uh, system. Locally speaking, at times some mayors mm. in some of these suburbs are Muslims. Yeah. Uh, but on the on on a larger scale, some some cultural cultural Muslims maybe at times, but uh, uh, very clearly when they made it, mm. uh, uh, they never identified properly as practicing Muslims. At times they didn't even identify as Muslims or even cultural Muslims at all. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, at once it, it, it happened with a um, during uh, Sarkozy's rule. So back in 2007, Sarkozy was a president, a right wing president, mm. and he was the one who uh, uh, led the uh, 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 opposition to the 2005 uh, uh, riots and, mm. and uprisings. He called them scum. Scum, exactly. Yeah. Scum. Yeah. And in order to uh, uh, basically, it was a, quite a clever political move. Uh, from a moral standpoint, you'll soon realize that it's quite uh, disgusting. But what he did is that he appointed some cultural Muslims uh, in some actual, uh, uh, as ministers, basically. Uh, when I say cultural Muslims, uh, I will not share the name of one minister who said back in the days, uh, she actually said, oh yeah, I'm Muslim, but I attend, um, how do you call it, the mess in every Sunday, yes, <laughs> the yes. every Sunday. Brilliant. I was like, okay, that's quite interesting okay. uh, form of Muslimness. But yes. uh, that's the kind of, of profiles he 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 appointed. Yeah, it, it seems to me that um, you in France, the Muslim community in France, are living through a very repressive period, and it doesn't seem there's a there's a positive end in sight. I mean, if all of the political parties support this extreme Islamophobia. Um, is there a discussion in France amongst Muslims that maybe we've made a mistake or maybe we need to move on? We need to leave France and we need to make hijrah to uh, a, a Muslim country. I mean, you are from Algerian descent. Is there a discussion amongst the Algerians that maybe it's time to return back to our uh, country of our, our forefathers? Of course. Uh, very clearly, France. The next step in terms of persecution after France is is basically India, wow. India, China, Egypt. We're not there yet. I was, but we're not there yet, right? So, mm. uh, 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 but that's the next step. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, 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 if we don't do anything about it, uh, yeah. The discussion, the discussions regarding hijra uh, uh, are 
quite widespread amongst the community and it's not just about discussions mm. uh, 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 we don't have some we don't have any data but there's a significant amount of Muslims who already left France they went to Turkey they went back to Algeria Morocco uh, Tunisia which was totally unthinkable two decades ago because these countries are facing lots of structural issues of course and it was totally unthinkable to go back to uh, for example Algeria uh, they left for Turkey the UAE Canada and so on and so forth, the UK of course so it's already happening uh, now I would argue that I'm Muslim. So when a form of persecution takes place, there is indeed a a khair, a form of goodness. It's happening because Allah Azza wants that to happen. It's actually a sun. Islamophobia in, in and of itself is a sunnah. It's not something that is going to disappear at some point because uh, because Sadiq Khan became mayor or whatever. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be a, a clear opposition to truth. That's what we were mentioning earlier. It's just the way, uh, it's just the way uh, Al-Azrael wanted that. So Islamophobia is always going to take place. And when a community is facing severe forms of persecution, it's going to lead to two kinds of uh, behaviors. You either flee the persecution, you leave, or if you stay, and you endure it, and you're patient, but not in a not in the quietest way. You're patient, meaning you are steadfast. It's also building your character and your willingness. If you survive that, well, you will for sure reinvigorate your religiosity, your spirituality, and for sure, reinvigorating this does not just mean that you're not going to. Uh, <laughs> abandon salah or abandon fasting. You're going to do that and you're also going to reform the place you live in. You're going to, in other words, engage in a political endeavor in order to seize power. We don't seize power because we necessarily enjoy power. Some of us do, of course, but the idea, the spirit is that we believe that the only legitimate and fair authority and uh, 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 and governance is Islam. We are bringing this because it's good. It's good for human beings. Mm. So if you look at the, it's it's obviously not a, an analogy, but it's just to make a point. The uh, Sahaba conquered the world also because most of them went through the harshness, the the harshness, the persecution in Mecca. That's what built their uh, their their structure, that's what built their psychology, that's what built their spirituality. When you go through torture and you survive that, most of the time you don't necessarily become quietist. And I'm not implying that you become blindly violent. Mm -hmm. You just don't want that to happen anymore. So you're going to make sure that you establish a rule, a governance, call it the way you want to, something that is fair and where persecution against yourself but also against others does not happen. So... Uh, there's, uh, it's 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 a mixed bag. Uh, uh, we could also be crushed because of the persecution. We don't always win. That's the, that's for sure. But if we remain steadfast, if we are able to properly organize, if we are able to keep a clear political vision, we're trying to grow politically. We're trying to bring 
goodness, Islam goodness to uh, uh, to France, even France. Uh, it's, 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 there's so much conflict in me. Mm. <laughs> I, I want to bring goodness to them, but yeah, that's actually the idea. Mm. And if we manage to do that, uh, we can be successful. Uh, it's a tremendously difficult political endeavor, of course. There are so many challenges. How do you properly organize? How do you properly translate the energy of these young rioters into a political dedication which could lead to Islamic rule? It's not easy. It don't it's not going to happen overnight. But that's the challenge and that's the pathway, inshallah, we're going to, uh, to engage in. And... If we are successful in this life and we properly achieve political success, alhamdulillah, if we don't, anyways, we, we tried and we're going to be successful in the Akhira, So, And and finally, Rayan, um, if Allah gives you life in five years' time, do you see yourself remaining in France or do you see yourself moving away? Uh, you asked me that question last year. <laughs> and I want I to see if your adamant, answer is different. Is different or not. Yes. Uh, 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 so I went through that persecution. And, uh, no, basically... Uh, uh, only Al-Azrael knows. I really don't know. Uh, uh, really, I don't know. Uh, for sure. But whatever the what, whatever one, even if one wants to uh, make Hijra, I mean, that's fine. But Hijra, the spirit of Hijra is not to leave and just live your life and you're totally disconnected from uh, the rest of the Ummah. I'm just, you know, I'm praying, I'm fasting. Become a nomad. Yeah, that's not the idea. Yeah. Why did the Prophet ﷺ made Hijra? He built Medina. Why? To conquer Mecca, mm. there's always a political endeavor behind Hijra. It's not a, it's not a neutral, uh, it's not a neutral act. So, uh, uh, so, whatever the case, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll forever be a, a problem for France, even if I'm not in France. I'm doing this, uh, this podcast in, in in London, and I'm still uh, opposing them. So, I guess hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully, as Azrael uh, keeps that in me, not because I. I have something against the French in in and of themselves, hopefully, but because you just oppose injustice and 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 and, 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 comfort and what's 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 not good for mankind, basically. So whether I'm here or somewhere or somewhere else, I hope that the that spirit will still remain in me. And if that's not the case, uh, you won't have to invite me anymore. <laughs> well, inshallah, we hope to invite you many more times again, Rayan Peski. Jazakallah khair for your time today. <laughs> Please remember to subscribe to our social media and YouTube channels and head over to our website thinkinmuslim.com to sign up to my weekly newsletter. Jazakallah khair. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.